Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Remote Controlled, Variety's TV podcast. I'm Deborah Bernbaum. Every week, we'll bring you conversations with some of the best and brightest in television, working behind and in front of the camera. On this week's episode, we're talking with Samantha Bee and Joe Miller about Full Frontal, as well as John Legend and Journey Smollett-Bell about Season 2 of Underground. So stay tuned. I'm Maureen Ryan. I'm the chief chief TV critic for Variety, and... I'm Sonia Soraya. I'm also a TV critic for Variety. <laughs> and we are very excited to be here with uh, Samantha B, a full full frontal with Samantha B. And also joining us is Joe Miller. The uh, Samantha is an executive producer, obviously, and Joe is executive producer and head writer. So we are very excited yeah. about this. Thank you. Yay. Yay! Yay! I was just asking you how your day has been, because I know you've had a lot of press today. I have, but it's been really, it's been great, actually. Everybody's been, everybody's been lovely. Mm-hmm. We're very, you know, we're, we have a lot of gratitude for the for the press that we've received, so it's, it's, it's actually really nice for us to come here <laughs> and have, we, we've been having great conversations all day, so... Yeah, I really, you know, all my questions really boil down to one question, which is, how will you, Samantha B, save us from the apocalypse? <laughs> Great and scene. That's where I take my leave of you. <laughs> I have no. I am not going to save anybody. We need to save ourselves. Yeah, this is like yeah. in Arrested Development where they cut to footage not found. <laughs> That's like what just happened. <laughs> Technical difficulties. I have a question for you, and that is, why do you have a half of a bed frame <laughs> attached to the wall. I can't it's speak of that day. Very, <laughs> it's, not, it's very artful it's, how you have this room put together <laughs> for this podcast. I hope that you're going to put up a, a photo of it. Yes, it's, it's, a a very, it's a specific design aesthetic, and you either get it or it's, you don't. Why it's haunting? <laughs> it's very haunted. It's very haunted house. <laughs> a little bit murdery. It is. It brings. It calls to mind The Exorcist, but there's no real reason for that. It just makes me think of The Exorcist. But I'm so glad we've made you comfortable. You have. Oh, here's Hi. Joe. Hi. I know we're like doing a terrible job of pretending we that Joe was on the podcast. Yeah, oh, we just started yeah. chatting. Hi, we did. Hello. I'm good. How are you? I pulled up a picture of my cat to show you. Don't worry. Okay, okay. Oh, oh, let's. We're talking about cats. I'm we here we the do. whole time. Okay, Hello. Hi. Um, and how are you doing, Joe? Fantastic. Okay, mm-hmm. great. Well, Mo had asked a really important question, which is, how is Samantha B going to save us from the apocalypse, the coming apocalypse? And I feel like maybe a broader question jumping off of it is, are people coming to you with hoping for, that you have an answer right now? Oh, yeah. They're co- yeah, they're coming. Yes, of course. And we don't have answers for them. We don't have answers for those people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe in the first spasm of the election, people were, but it seems like mm-hmm. people are finding their own answers. They are. I was looking at how many... like women's marches there were this weekend not in washington mm-hmm. and every place i looked up there is one i looked up des moines there is one anchorage there is one yep. juno there is one so all over the world too they, that's wonderful mm-hmm. they decided 
they don't need us because we're not good at this. <laughs> <laughs> Do you really think you're not good at it? No, no. I mean, that's not our role. We, we're here to make people laugh. We don't have the answers. We're figuring yeah. them out yeah. um, live on TV, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Well, one thing that I think about a lot with, you know, we keep hearing, you know, talk to everyone on the, every side of this, <clears throat> these issues and, you know, talk to Trump voters, this, that, and the other. But I think that what's interesting about your show is that it takes a point of view. Like, you have a point of view. You're starting from a starting point. And I think that that's not to say that you don't examine many different points of view. But if for you, is it important to have a defined starting point for where your where your whole it's the most important. I mean, yeah. it's the most important thing. Mm. It's the. It's the. It's in some ways, it's the only thing. It's. I mean, and I think that's. I think that's true for our show, but I think that's true for shows that we, that we ourselves consume. Mm-hmm. If a show doesn't have enough of a point of view for me, I can't. I, I can't. I won't. I won't stick with it. And yeah. it's not something that we. It's not something that we think about from a you know from a television executive point of view. It's just something that comes naturally. That's right. what we respond to. So of Which course, is why that's... we loved Key and Peele, and why we love yeah. any any show with a really strong point of view. Yes, it's essential. I think one of the things that the Daily Show did, and what you know that, that I think that maybe some people are forgetting is that the both we, you can both sides yourself to death. You know that mm-hmm. that's a really dangerous thing that I think the media. I mean, I'm not saying that we're sterling examples of media ourselves. I mean, we we can all get better, but it, it just really bothers me when there's like, well, but in fairness, like, well, what, what? Why do you have to be fair to everything? Some things are just this is outside of our norm, and you we we reject it. You know what I mean? Is it is I that mean, the fairness is false? When you, mm-hmm. I mean that that's mm-hmm. a model that certainly was ill-equipped to deal with the current election. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, we watched 16 months of cable news ferrying us into a dictatorship. Yeah, and also this show is for us. I mean, that's what is the most joyful. Th- well, you know, that's the thing that makes it doable for us is that the show is for us as opposed to like we don't we're not crowdsourcing a viewpoint for others to consume Mm. this is it comes from a real place and that's all we have and you like it or you don't you like it or you like it sometimes and hate it sometimes but still watch it (laughs) exactly exactly so your show debuted Early February eighth. February eighth. Yeah. So what? I mean, I, even if we're putting all of that other stuff aside, which we can't, obviously. But what? When you came back, what did you want to do differently? And what? What are your thoughts on how you want to do the show this year? I don't want to do the show differently. No, I, I think, love the show. Yeah. I, we love it. I mean, I think you know we have some fun ideas about little things that we can do that just excite us. That will More specials specials mm-hmm. things that will you know mix the format up a little bit i mean that's just fun for us because it represents variety and it gives us you know like a like a little point on the horizon to look forward to mm-hmm. but you know the show works for us we also know what we're capable of we were really mm-hmm. learning in the first year and now we know like oh we can go to daniel and get a kick-ass animation in four hours daniel make us an animation yes you know? yeah can we get a barbershop quartet can we can we we <laughs> sure can yeah we have one standing by at all times yeah. Yeah. i know think Kilmead would be on the show <laughs> yes okay you know mm-hmm. when you guys are thinking about coverage are you watching the cnn and uh, and fox news and things like that Constantly. i'm thinking about right so. right okay and thinking about responses is what i was going to say mm-hmm. and maybe these both sides and issues and how to address them because i feel like that's such an a quandary people keep talking about how cable news has failed us but no one seems to really know how to fix it too mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah 
Oh, we watch people stand there and allow Jeff Lord and Kaylee McInerney to scream complete bullshit and then go to commercial break. Right. I think maybe we're seeing the beginning of the end of that now. I think that the cable news is adapting and learning how to cover this. Yeah. Yeah. Where do you see that? Well, I see it when Jim Acosta is personally attacked and Shep Smith stands up for him. I see it Mm. when Anderson Cooper did a really good 17-minute piece with um, uh, Kellyanne um, where he held her feet to the fire, did a fairly good job. Um, Always seen it with Tapper. Mm. He'll ask the follow-up questions. Mm. And they're finding new ways to fact-check. So <laughs> I think one of the things that's really hard, and we've faced it, and you know, doing any media criticism that we do, is that you'll be writing about night one of the RNC, and then it's like, and then oh, there's the plagiarisms. So, like things cascade so quickly, mm. it can be very mm-hmm. hard to just grab onto a piece of it to write or think or you know what I mean. It's so overwhelming. It's just and like they have a, seven hearings in one mm-hmm. a fire hose. It could right. be buried. It is a fire hose. Yeah, yeah. you can just be buried under an avalanche. That's of, why we had uh, Sam sitting in the Maxell lab. Yeah. with the hose of shit. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, that's really what it really what it felt like fun fact that was actual shit <laughs> she's method i i take it for the team you guys it's commitment. i go hard yeah i am balls to the wall but have um in that barrage you know you said you make the show for you and you have a point of view like what how do you how do you decide what it, what this is what we're picking out of this day's barrage or this last three days barrage like is it something you can build a piece on you just know you just know you just know and also doing the show once a week gives you an opportunity to sit back a little bit and see what stories are emerging in you know to watch a story emerge on a daily basis and Mm -hmm. see if it's something that seems appropriate for the show or seems like it's been well covered in other outlets so it's something that we can drop or Mm. a story evolves in a way that you didn't think it was going to evolve so Doing it once a week also provides an opportunity to be a little bit more reflective. We also know that when the whole staff is um, just really excited for a yeah. story, that's the one we're going to do. Yes, the, mm-hmm. the whole staff is is if you if you turn off our internal chat board for a second and you come back and there's seven screens, that's our story. Yes, <laughs> yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, I th- one of the things that I really like about the show is that you do these field pieces or pieces that are s- we've put together, we've contextualized a whole thread about um, Planned Parenthood or abortion. Like, you, we, there's not just here are ten things that happened. It's mm-hmm. like here's four minutes about this entire situation that has been building for a year. And right. I think that that's really useful to come at it. And is that kind of part of what you, what you enjoy most is giving something mm-hmm. a real spine and, and a, and a conclusion too, in a way like the beginning, middle and end. Of course. We're yeah. all, I mean, we're an entire staff of incredibly curious people. And when you nerds. can, <laughs> nerds, nerd alert, but also when you can, you know, our research team is incredible. When we are all learning about something in real time and we were learning things that we didn't previously know as a show, that is the most exciting, that is a really exciting process. And mm-hmm. we're also storytellers. Like we, you know, that's something that we're passionate about. Mm-hmm. Remember Catholic hospitals when the yeah. stories, we were breaking that? Wow. Yep. I it was mean, a learning curve. Really powerful. Mm-hmm. How so? 
How is it a learning curve? You mean? Because we had not heard these women's first-hand stories, and we mm-hmm. talked to them and interviewed them, and and we had heard sort of the um, bare bones details, and then they talked about the full experience and what their doctors had said to them, and that their doctors had really empathized with them, but their hands were tied. Um, and something mm-hmm. that we thought was maybe one event was three different visits to three different hospitals. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Comedy. Comedy. Yeah, it's fun. It's a fun time. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, to me, this is, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, no, but no. I, to me, this is such a, such a defining question of what you do, which is like you're trying to turn the anger into comedy, but also like keep the anger too, because the anger is sort of how you move to action, how you're trying to maybe inspire your audience to also be upset about things or something like that. But how are those things connected to each other? You know, how do you move back and forth? Oh, I don't, is it something that you can really map out? It's not, it, it's a challenge. It, it, yeah. Sometimes it's more of a challenge. Catholic hospitals, it was a challenge. Very um, challenging. Pisgate, not a challenge. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right now we're we're doing something on Dylan Roof and his beliefs and the radicalization of white people. It is really super hard to find. Com- I don't know how we're going to do it. Ashley and I were talking about it this morning. We mm-hmm. don't know yet. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Or not, and then we won't do it. Right. I see. Right. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I keep thinking about a lot is people's inherent desire for narrative and how... I think a lot of people thought, well, Trump can't win because that's not the narrative that would be the cathartic one that would make the sen- make sense to, <laughs> to me. It's so, not the narrative about America that we tell ourselves. Exactly. And, but, but in a larger sense, you know, how do you – it's such a bizarre narrative. You would – like it's all so strange and it's just it's, – it's like it's jarring. And I, I think I often wonder how do you – rest surreal comedy or any kind of comedy from something that is already so bizarre <laughs> you know is it make it is it made it surreal hard? would be a relief yeah like, we're mm-hmm. trying to make sense out of something that doesn't make sense and i don't know i've mm-hmm. had trouble with that these past several weeks of course i mean we're talking when we showed a clip from this interview that we did with masha gasson mm-hmm. who's been a mm-hmm. great friend to the show and you know she's been through a similar type of experience in russia and um one of the ongoing themes in her work is you have to imagine the unimaginable. Um, and I think that we are experiencing things that I would not have imagined mm-hmm. that we're in, we experienced a black swan mm-hmm. and then it had a lot of black swan babies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's really no, we can't, who, who knows where it's going to. Here's a scenario. Yeah. The next big natural disaster hits California. California didn't vote for Trump. Trump doesn't care. Um, the the response is slow. A Congress that was marked by l- delaying Sandy mm, uh, mm-hmm. relief until they found offsets from food stamps doesn't step in either. Mm-hmm. Where does that leave us? Wow. Yeah. And it was a pleasure coming. So you can scenario those things all day. Like, all day. What if this happened? Right. Mm-hmm. In in a sense, like. Comedy is finding the unexpected, the absurd, finding, you know, rearranging something to make it a little bit of a disjunction. But but these are such vast, it takes you a minute to wrap your head around the fact that so many of these things are happening that I want, I just think it's, it just seems to be 
really challenging to put frames on these things and to kind of digest them as a human being. So I take my hat off to you that you've been able to do that. It just seems like it's an extreme, like this is the extreme, like whatever those, you know, tough mutter races are where you're, it's not just a, <laughs> right. a marathon. It's like you have to go up a hill and there's a mud pit and there's a thing, you know. Chop down a tree. Yeah, chop down a tree. And, <laughs> I don't know if we're making sense of it, are we? I don't trying, think right. We're trying. I, I mean, we're trying. At least you're reminding people that it doesn't make sense, which I think is also valuable, like that this isn't normal. I feel like that's something that we've been talking about a lot, like mm-hmm. in the national consciousness. It's people like, need rational explanations for things so badly. That's why we're hearing a lot about economic insecurity. Right. No, no. <laughs> right. Not. Right. <laughs> I mean, what blows my mind is, you know, there obviously i i feel like i'm my side job is just devouring think pieces and takes and statistics and charts and everything in the world that exists but you know one of feel the, like the next one is going to explain it yeah. like one yeah. more really one more it's like being a lost message it's board like, 10 years ago like <laughs> yeah this guy he's, he's close he's going to nail it he's going he's going to figure Bring it out home. there's going to be a grand unified theory of why and then you just realize oh there's no Oh, then no one will ever figure it out. It's just a random collection <laughs> of things. Um, well, you know, it is really, in some ways it's been, I, I'm sorry, now I'm just no. talking about myself, but I, I had to review this frontline documentary, The Divided States of America, um, uh-huh. which which is great. And, you know, the frontline documentarians try to do a lot of what you guys do, which is pick out the things that they can make, you know, narratives out of and do that. Why doesn't um, anyone bitch at them for not being on every night? Uh, we can. Question. <laughs> probably people aren't having as much fun watching Frontline. That's probably That's, my guess. Yeah. Um, but um, it is interesting to, it, I think actually in some ways I felt like I understood what happened in the election more than I ever did before. And it did feel better to sort of feel like maybe if I understood where this was coming from, even if it was just racism at the end of the day, mm-hmm. that like maybe there was something that could be done about it too. Mm-hmm. Um that's why we like talking to Masha. Yeah. It's not cheering, but she makes sense of things for us. She, yes, she puts things in an orderly fashion in my brain. Yeah. It's comforting <laughs> and it's horrifying, but also somehow comforting. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to return to something that I, I asked you about briefly in mm-hmm. the panel, which is, so Ross do that at the New York Times has this idea sure. that for some reason your show mm-hmm. is Hillary Clinton slash yeah. the Democrats problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and there were a lot of, I mean, personally, I found, you know, at least that headline was like well, problematic. But I do think that as we discover more of what America is really made up of and what people who voted this man into office, Donald Trump into office, want that there might be some questions for you both about the audience and who your audience is and who your ideal audience member is and what you're maybe trying to communicate to them. I don't know if that's something that has changed since the election for you guys or if it's something that is, you know, it seems maybe just removed from your concerns. Can I, per- can I be perfectly, I like, just, I don't, I don't care. <laughs> I really don't. I don't. <laughs> really, really super don't. People ask us about ratings. Like, I, don't know. I don't even know. <laughs> I, we, you know, it's a luxury to, we, Joe and I, I mean, I say this a lot, but Joe and I are in our I don't give a fuck years. <laughs> We're just doing a show that mm-hmm. we want to do. And, you know, if you don't like it, well, that's fine. I don't care. Like, you yeah, and I matter. spent a lot of our life poor. We can do that again. We can do that again. I can go back to waitering. I can mm-hmm. go back to like a lot of different lifestyle choices mm-hmm. that are mm-hmm. just fine too mm-hmm. i don't i enjoy doing this but if it's not forever that's okay too but um, i think if you are driven by like 
second guessing yourself what am i giving the audience what do i Mm -hmm. want our demographic to be Mm -hmm. then you're not going to have your authentic voice you're not going to make anyone happy Mm -hmm. you can't you know we need to have the freedom to make our core audience mad at us Mm -hmm. i just don't think it serves us well to to be thinking about what other how other people see our show it is the last thing on my mind and we don't have guests so we don't don't have to worry about Getting access is not something that we don't have access to anything. <laughs> so we're not going to lose access, and that's freedom. Yeah. Like Masha's yeah, the only gift. one we know will talk to us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's all you really need at this point. I'm yeah. fine with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I will I com- see that front line, though. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's good. Um, not that it's the silver lining that makes it worth it. I don't think anything makes it worth it. But the one thing, one of the things I keep going back to is... Um, could this be an opportunity to say, look at what's been dragged out from under the bed and is now in the light? We have to look at these problems. And is that, like, I feel like that's the one of the Didn't cathartic things. for eight years with, when Obama brought the racists out of the yeah. woodwork? But people want, people people's capacity for denial and obfuscation. White people. White people. <laughs> mm-hmm. is Is really profound so much more profound than I thought. I know. It's nice that there's something profound about Americans. (laughs) (laughs) I think Joe's been handling the election really well. Yeah. I think there is is possibility in the the present moment. I do think that. I think if, if it, there has to be something that emerges from this. There has to be. We have to get Glenn back to sit down with someone from Black Lives Matter and not get up until... Mm-hmm. He understands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, until he's fully woke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. he would say the same. I'm sure he watched our show the other day and uh-huh. and put his head in his hands. I don't <laughs> care about that either. You know, he. he but that would be a great that would be a great segment. I think mm-hmm. we just figured out our act three for. I'd watch it. I would <laughs> absolutely watch that. There we go. That's exciting. <laughs> I mean, are you? Have you guys been inspired or heartened by the response? Oh, I'm sorry, you guys. Yes. Have to go. Yeah. yeah. But by the response to your show, because I mean, oh, you do I care thought you about... meant to the election. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have. Oh, I'm watching yeah. the press yeah. like come to terms and like mm-hmm. figure out how to do their job and heartened yeah. our show. I don't know. We don't know what the response is. Yeah, we don't. Pay. We took her Twitter Look. away. <laughs> they took my Twitter away. Really? They did. And yeah, I'm people grateful are horrible. for that. Yeah. People are, yeah, I don't need to know. Yeah. I don't need to know. In some ways. I can tell you you're ugly and a cunt. I already knew that. Okay. Don't forget fat. Oh, right. Don't and forget, Canadian. And Canadian, Canadian. And go back to Canada. And mm-hmm. there's just a variety of things that I get called 1,000 times a day. So mm-hmm. I might as well not. I don't care. Well, now that we've <laughs> identified who you are, thank you so much. For thank coming. you so much, both of you. Thanks so nice for coming. We really appreciate this it, and great. we think that you are none of those things, and you're both lovely. <laughs> So that was Samantha B. and Joe Miller talking about Full Frontal. Up next, I chatted with John Legend and Journey Smollett-Bell about what's in store for the second season of Underground. Hi, I'm Deborah Birnbaum, Variety's Executive Editor of TV, and it's my pleasure to welcome John Legend and Journey Smollett-Bell of Underground. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Sure. Thanks so much for joining me. So let's talk about season two of Underground. How does it compare for you to season one? 
Man, you know, the stakes are just so much higher, um, if you can imagine that. Um, when we left off season one, um, my character, Rosalie, had lost everyone. Um, I'd gained my freedom, but the sacrifice I paid was I lost everyone I loved. The Macon Seven, I lost Noah, the man I loved. I lost my mom and brothers. Um, so when we begin season two, Rosalie has been... Um, being trained by Harriet Tubman. She's been going on runs and, you know, really learning the ropes of what the Underground Railroad was and this complex network of transferring cargo and meeting up at stations. Um, Noah's in prison, and I want to break him out, and Harriet doesn't think that's the best idea. I don't know what fate my mom has been um, given. I don't. I'm not aware of the fact that she's been sold. I think I can go back to Macon, 600 miles, and get her back. You know. So, the stakes are definitely higher in season two. Yeah, and I think overall the idea behind the season is that even though some of our Macon Seven have achieved uh, some level of freedom, mm-hmm. um, it's still very contested. Um, and uh, they're not really completely free as long mm-hmm. as the system is in place mm-hmm. of slavery and uh, of uh, the Fugitive Slave Act and other uh, other uh, kind of laws uh, that were in place to to make it uh, scary for you to even be in the North mm-hmm. during that time. And then as long as some of their family members and friends weren't free, they could never really feel free either. Mm-hmm. And so I think uh, that sense of danger and uh, foreboding uh, that we saw in the first season still is here in the second season. You mentioned Harriet Tubman. That's a pretty serious addition to the cast. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're excited. <laughs> Aisha, a little from the little bit I've seen from the trailer, Aisha Hines looks like she gives a fantastic performance. Yes. Oh man, does she? She's so um, perfect for this role because she's able to embody this idea that we have of this. Superwoman Harriet Tubman, and she's able to make it personal and shrink it down and make it intimate while keeping the strength and the confidence. Um, I mean, I love doing scenes with her because she's a phenomenal actress. And I think the idea of, you know, in our drama, which is, you know, based on history, but has been largely dramatized and fictionalized in some way, uh, it's pretty exciting to have a real life character uh, mm. that everyone knows and who's really been in the news a lot lately given the discussion about the American currency and 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 her, her possibility of being on the the, the 20 um, it's really exciting to introduce her into the series so people really understand who this woman we've been talking about and possibly reading about in her history books is uh, and, and bring some life uh, and take her off of the the pages of the textbooks yeah. and, and put her into some real action mm-hmm. so we really understand what kind of superhero she was. How much research did you do into the character? How much are we going to see that's true? As you mentioned, it's just dramatized. Well, uh, Misha and Joe really did research the character extensively and uh, based everything on what we know about her. Uh, so if, if you see something about Harriet in there, um, you can bet that it's at least based on the truth or, or it was actually something that happened. That's fantastic. And you're going to be playing a character this season as well. Yeah, very briefly. <laughs> I made a cameo as uh, Frederick Douglass, uh, and it's only for one scene and, and one episode. But uh, it was cool to do. Uh, I was happy to be on set in Savannah and just be able to be with the whole cast and crew, but also to embody you know, such an important figure in American history. Why do you think the show is so relevant right now? Fans really responded to it, especially the first season. 
I mean, didn't they? They really did respond to it. <laughs> I mean, it blew us away. I mean, they were coming up with hashtags uh-huh. and tweeting. And um, why? You know, I think it's relevant. Um, unfortunately, we can still relate to the struggles that our ancestors were going through. Um, 1858, we were living in a very divided nation. Unfortunately, we still are in a very divided nation. Um, and, you know, for season two, one of the themes is soldier versus citizen. Um, and what that question is asking is, you know, what are you going to do with your responsibility? Are you going to pick up the fight or are you going to sit this one out? And we saw what happens when we as citizens sit the fight out. Um, yeah. That, that sounds very relevant today. Yeah. And I, and I think, well, another reason why the show did so well was because it's really intriguing content. Uh, mm-hmm. If you think about yeah. um, beyond the historical relevance, just the idea of essentially a prison break, the mm-hmm. idea of a chase for hundreds of miles on foot and uh, on sea and all these other mm-hmm. w- ways of getting around, the idea of deception and, and, and hiding things from uh, the, the, the government or the police or those who are out to get you. Um, the and idea, outsmarting them. Yeah, outsmarting them. <laughs> the idea that death and, and capture are always around the corner. Yeah. Um, these are things that make for good, uh, good TV. T- good TV. Yeah. And um, the historical context aside, uh, that's just fun stuff to watch. And then once you know that this res- is representing a reality that happened in this country and uh, and uh, uh, and a subject matter um, that's still an issue of concern in America right now, uh, I think it makes it that much more exciting to, to have a show about that. Journey, how much research did you do? What did you learn from the first season that you're bringing to the second season? Man, you know, um, so much. Um, I learned more about how complex the Underground Railroad was. This is It was a really intricate network. Um, and danger was always lurking around the corner. I mean, you really couldn't trust anyone, but you had to trust strangers. Um, you know, we, we really dive into the um, nuances of this complex network in season two. I mean, what it was like to transfer cargo, how they identified stations, um, what a conductor was on the Underground Railroad. I mean, that I think people are going to be really excited to see um, just how complex it was and, you know, just how fascinating this whole network was. Yeah. I, I, I mean... This is this is cooler than fiction. Yeah, truth is stranger than fiction, though. It's like it's it's really exciting, interesting stuff. Can you identify with Rosalie at all? You know, it is crazy how much I identify with her in season two. Um, In so many ways, some I can't discuss yet without giving spoilers. But um, I think that idea um, of what you are willing to do for your family. The dedication that she has to those that she loves, the fact that she um, is not willing to just sit out and 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 not uh, pick up the the fight, you know, these are all things I can totally relate to. Um, it just challenges me in so many ways because we come from such mighty people, and to see what we were capable of, it's humbling and inspiring. It sounds like things are going to get a little bit darker in the second season. Um, I mean, the, the shows, uh, you know, the context is, is a dark context, you know, slavery and and the fight to end slavery uh, is, is, you know, it's always going to be heavy. Uh, but I, I think we've always 
um, balance that with inspiration mm-hmm. and courage and adventure and excitement. And I think this season will do that as well. And it'll be really empowering as well. We've never wanted to just wallow in the misery uh, and the oppression mm-hmm. of slavery. We've always wanted to uh, show the resistance and the mm-hmm. courage of the resistance and, and how powerful and inspiring they could be. How do you closely do you work with the showrunners? Do you ever step into the writer's room at all and talk with them about the direction of the show? You know, I mean, not stepping into the writer's room, but, you know, either Misha or Joe are on set with every single scene. And there's definitely a spirit of collaboration on set. Um, There have been a number of times where I will go to them and say, okay, I don't understand why Rosalie said this, or um, can we change this, or how about we try this? And... You know, it's funny because we've definitely gotten into more of a a rhythm with each other. You know, season one, Misha Misha and I really butt heads (laughs) 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 on the direction of Rosaline, the vision of Rosalie. But we're in such a good groove now um, that I think, you know, we work so well. What did you butt heads about? Um, Initially, you know, for me, um, they knew where Rosalie was going, right? And so I had so many questions, particularly in the first episode. Um, you know, there were times where I just felt like, it's not on the page, you know, and that's the actor in you where you're just, you're still struggling to figure it out. Um, but I think, you know, we, we came to an agreement on how to pace her strength. You know, for me, I saw her initially just as this, this dynamic woman in the house who had this quiet storm that was brewing. And Misha kept trying to get me to pace that, which is important, you know, because you don't want to start at 90%. Then you have nowhere to go. The rest of the cast isn't here, but why don't you speak a little bit about them and where their characters are going in the second season? Uh, Man, yeah, you know, uh, like I said, we start off with Noah in prison. A few months have passed, and... um, He's facing obvious charges of killing a police officer, um, which happened in the end of uh, season one. And my mom, Ernestine, has been sold off. Um, She's now working on a rice plantation and um, struggling with her own inner demons because she's lost everything. Um, Cato had, you know, when you give someone like Cato money, (laughs) it's it's a very dangerous potion. Um, and, um, Elizabeth, you know, and John are really, um, deep in the middle of the fight. You know, they really have become saturated in the revolution and picking up the baton. How long can you see the series going? How much more story do you want to be able to tell? Well, uh, I think it, it's, it's kind of, um, started before the civil war, uh, and, um, there's kind of several years that could go into that. Uh, mm-hmm. And then you could even, if it kept going, you could even look at the role of, of freed slaves mm-hmm. um, in the Civil War itself. Uh, Harriet Tubman was a spy um, in the Civil War. Mm-hmm. So you could find uh, a lot of areas to, to, to cover during that time period. And, uh, you know, uh, we're hoping it's a, a five-year series or something like that and maybe even more. Who knows what will happen, but we've got stories to tell. Yeah. <laughs> it certainly feels like the introduction of Harriet Tubman is going to be engine fuel for this. Uh, yeah, I think it's, imp- mm-hmm. it's a really important turn for the series. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, obviously we introduced her at the tail end of uh, season one. 
And uh, a lot of people were excited when that happened. Mm. Uh, Twitter was a buzz when that happened. <laughs> uh, and now uh, it's going to be fully fleshed out in, in season two. I also heard that you're going to be writing a song for the series. Uh, it's already written. It's already uh, in episode one. <laughs> Talk about the decision to write a song. Um, well, I write songs all the time. That's what I do for a living. But um, um, a lot of times when I'm in the process of writing an album, sometimes I'll write things that end up being more appropriate for other thing, other mm. projects than the album itself. And uh, this particular song felt like it was right for uh, our show, and I saved it for the show. And... Um, and uh, Played it for Joe and Misha, and they loved it and wanted to include it in episode one. I didn't pressure them. Just play it for them. <laughs> you didn't play that executive producer yeah. card? No, I just <laughs> said, hey, here's a song you might want to use. And, and then they found a way to incorporate it into se- to episode one uh, of season two. What's the message of the song? The song's called In America, and it kind of points out uh, what America has stood for, but also what it's done in actuality sometimes what we stand for isn't always what we live up to mm-hmm. uh, our ideals sometimes are higher than uh, the practical reality that America has been for a lot of people uh, and particularly think about the context of slavery in a country uh, that said all men were created equal and was the land of the free and the home of the brave at the same time we held mil- millions of Africans in, uh, in, in, in captivity mm-hmm. um, uh, America has always been a contradiction to some degree. And so um, that's what the song's about. Seems like a f- perfect message for their times. Indeed. <laughs> well, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure talking with you, and best of luck with the second season. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's show. We'll be back next week with another great episode. We're talking about Empire with showrunner Eileen Chaikin. See you next week. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.